Uh, Parker, what was your favorite thing you ever got in your childhood? Like, do you have a favorite toy? Or like a favorite, favorite game toy. system favorite. or a favorite board game? Oh, gosh. That's a difficult question. Or did you have like something that when you would go to the store, you'd always go to that section trying to like bug your parents? Like, can you uh, buy this for me? Can you buy this for me? I'm sure I did. I don't really remember that. I would say um, either our Nintendo Wii. Ooh. That was pretty cool. Um, what was your favorite game on the Wii? Favorite game on the Wii. Um, I like the Mario Galaxy games a lot. Nice. I like platformers a lot. And so that fits in that vein really well. Um, there were others. It's been a long time since I've thought it through. Oh, they, well, that's the Wii U. Never mind. Um, also Nintendo DS. Oh yeah. Or in my case, Nintendo DS Lite. That fun fact, that was my first interaction with Wi-Fi. Interesting. Yeah. Was through Nintendo DS. Yeah. Imagine having Wi-Fi before you went off to college. That's crazy. I didn't have what my family, we didn't have Wi-Fi. So I was always saying. When you went to college? Yeah, when I went to college, I got Wi-Fi. I didn't have Wi-Fi at my house. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, we had this thing called like landlines, and we had other things that you actually had to use. Matthias is shaking his head. I don't know what the word is. I don't know what it is. Whatever the heck. What is the word? No, no. What is it? What is it? It's the cable. It's the freaking blue or yellow cable you'd plug in. The Ethernet? Yeah, the Ethernet cable. We'd have to do that. That Everyone does that. Well, I know, but then we didn't have Wi-Fi. Like We didn't have it go to a router to go out. Oh, you mean like the, however you call it. All we had was the desktop. Yeah. And then we had landline. Hardwired phones. into it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that was really random. Um, Dude, for me, I had the Game Boy Advance SP. Can yeah. I just say? Way, I had that too. Way better than the DS. I disagree. Far surpassed the DS. Oh, because. You can play. No, because. Game Boy Advance games on the DS. Well, no, 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 no. The Game Boy yeah. Advance SP, the reason why it was the best. One, it's a tank. You could throw that thing at somebody you hated in the head and pick it up and finish playing Lego Star Wars. Yeah. It was still going. It wasn't fragile. The hinge, you could close something in that thing. It was still fine. And only $70. You know how I know it was only $70? Because my dad had me save up for it by working for him so I could get it. So I ended up, that was the first thing that I ever used my cold, hard cash to go and buy. Yeah. And then I bought Pokemon. Probably Sapphire was probably the first one I got of that. Um, do you know, Game Boy Advance SP though was awesome. Also because it made gaming. It was like, I will say, I think it is still the last accessible gaming device for like every child in some ways. Not to say that $70 is not a lot for some families and that sort of a thing. But even back then, $70 was like this attainable thing where you're like, okay, a couple Christmases or I could do like a birthday and a Christmas. Like if you were not able to get very much in terms of cash from people for things, mm -hmm. but you could get one. Mm -hmm. the, the DS was when it started to go over $100. And now you have it where now Nintendo only makes the Switches and the Switch lights and stuff like that. If I had a child who wanted a traveling video game, I'm not letting them take a Switch anywhere. Like it's too expensive. Game switch lights not that. The switch lights not that bad. It's like two hundred dollars. Yeah, but in our day and age, two hundred dollars. No, no. But in in the back in the day, day and age, seventy dollars was still enough yeah, to be like. But like a phone was also like how much was a phone? 
Well, no, no, no. Parker, Parker. Parker. For five Nintendo Switch lights, you can get a phone. You could give. You could give a five-year-old a Game Boy Advance SP, and you know what they would do? Play a game. You put the cartridge in, you go, plug it in, and it's A, B, and what way do you want to go? That kid's got it. You give him a Switch, you got to turn it on, you got to update it. Yeah. I'm just saying. I've it seen was, a toddler navigate their way through Netflix. Yeah, and that's terrifying. It is. I'm it's just terrifying. saying it's reality. Those toddlers are going to have screen issues. Not really. So I yeah, speak I worry. I, I wonder that about Jameson a lot. You know what I mean? Like, or even like, this is a total random thought, but um, like, this is this is sad. But my, uh, you know, most of what Jameson sees of his aunt and uncle in Georgia and his other grandparents in Idaho is through FaceTime. Yeah. Which is cool that we have FaceTime, but it makes me wonder like how will that shape his like screens or people? You know what I mean? Like yeah. will that seem the same to him as mm. in person? Probably not, but like I don't know. Anyway, maybe initially. Maybe. Um well, that's where like yeah. So for me, Game Boy Advance SP, love that. I don't that. think it's better than the DS, but that's just me. I just think the DS was at a spot, though, where it's like it just broke a little easier. Why do I know that? Because my Game Boy Advance SP is still in a drawer. Is it? Yeah. Right. Sorry, you guys can't see this. No, it's not in there, Dana. It's in another spot. I have it in my house right now. My DS, you know what I don't have anymore? My DS. Because why? Because it broke. I have a 2DS. Those were kind of interesting. It's just a flat screen. It's a flat piece of gaming stuff. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, those were kind of neat for a little bit. Those Those, also were cheap. Those are affordable, yeah. Those were. Actually, I will say, I thought that was cool. Um, The reason why I bring this up, this is a very long tangent to get here, (laughs) uh, is talking about some of the things that we like when we're growing up, all those things, stuff that we could get, have our hands on, all that. And that is because today, we are going to be talking through some stuff about the American dream, about consumerism, and all of that stuff. But first, everybody, we just want to formally say hello and welcome to Conviction. We feel a conviction to discuss questions and topics surrounding church, culture, ministry, and just general life as a Jesus follower. My name is Caleb. And my name is Parker. And today, we are going to be asking the question. We are going to be posing the thought of does the American dream matter to christians does it align with christians does it matter to us in general all of those things should we care about the american dream there's a lot of stuff that goes into being a american or just even a western believer and does sometimes the idea of one day having the family with the picket fence a house or maybe in this day and age as things get more and more having just a nice place to live maybe it's you're renting it having things like that but hey i want to get to a point of sustainability I want to have the stuff I want. Does that align with what we see in scripture for the masses? And is that something that we really should say at the end of the day is a driving force for us? All of that. Parker, do you got any initial thoughts to kick us off? Or do we just want to kind of spitball around for a little bit? Probably going to be more spitballing than anything. But, you know, I yeah, it's something I think about a lot. And, and honestly, it's probably more so... You know, it kind of stems from uh, probably some comparison issues on my part. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In terms of, um, well, not even, not really mo- the most people around my age, like obviously like 
not very many of us have made it really, or not really anybody I know. Um, but like in terms of looking at the older generation, um, you know, like our parents or, um, you know, older than that, you know, they have the house, so, you know, they have the dog, the, the kids are all grown up, they've got the cars, not even like nothing crazy. Yeah. Just like more than, and granted, like, again, it's probably comparison issues because, you know, I'm at, you know, I, I'm very lucky. Don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, I'm very lucky and I'm very, very blessed, but sometimes it'd be nice to have two cars. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and so it, uh, uh, and then, so having those thoughts and thinking about, oh, maybe I have a little bit of a comparison issue and maybe I have a little bit of, you know, or, uh, anx- or how do you say that? Uh, not anxiety, but I'm anxious to get there. How about mm. that? Um, when maybe I shouldn't be, you know, maybe I should just be more content with where I'm at right yeah. now. Um, but that kind of just inspires thoughts of like, how much of this is a desire that is, you know, godly? Is this mm. something that, you know, me as a Christian, is this something that I really should even be wrestling with this much? Or is this really just something that's, you know, stems from having grown up in America and, you know, in a pretty... I would I would say a relatively affluent area. Yeah. Um uh you know in terms of the whole country. Um and like is this something that just cultured not necessarily um the bible and um what we believe as christians and what our christian values um does that picture at the end of what you know what all we what most people would hope to be at like at the end of the line once you've retired and all that does that fit into the um into the the christian worldview Mm. and does it fit in and also if it doesn't necessarily fit in is it against and opposing yeah yeah those are my opening thoughts that's good that's good yeah, you know, just to kind of piggyback off of some of that. You know, I think when I end up thinking about the American dream, I think it's just such an interesting idea and just like consumerism in general. I mean, like the idea of the American dream, and I'm not a history buff, honestly. Your brother would be actually good to talk through probably about this quite a bit. But in terms of like history and stuff, you end up having this idea of people coming over to America and being almost like, hey, leave, literally leave everything behind and go into the unknown, right? Go into right. the unknown and what's there. And there's an amount of adventure that's present within that idea that's really cool. It's pretty exciting. And then you end up having, obviously, a whole amount of history. But then you have like this moment, I'm assuming, this is me assuming history, okay? I'm not a sociologist. But like, you have the world wars, right? People go out, they're fighting, they're battling, they're coming home. And obviously this kind of happens for soldiers after any war conflict. But specifically it feels like for America and the world, you have the world wars, people come back, and then obviously like suburbs start to pop up. You start having all of these things happen. And it's a new kind of mission for people. It's go and have a good life, go find this, go settle down, go reap the benefit of what we have kind of broader route for ourselves, that sort of a thing. Um, whereas today, 
I mean, like, there is nothing new to discover in terms of, like, base level. Like, you and I can't say, we're going to go north. And we're going to find uncharted land that we shall claim for ourselves. And we will conquer it, right? Or something like that. We shall find the northern passage. And, like, even some of that, obviously, was a little bit of a farce and... Uh, a couple of and a number of respects and all that stuff but like there was for people just looking and saying I'm gonna go I'm gonna go get my American dream it was an actual struggle or it was birthed and they were reaping the benefit of an actual struggle if that makes sense yeah um nowadays the American dream does seem a lot more about kind of luck in some regard you know like it's also about being savvy you could say but also just like did you get lucky with timing on things right like Mm -hmm. uh you know for sierra and i we ended up being able to get a home this last year and that sort of a thing super awesome literally especially now we would not be able to afford to buy the home we are in right now because of like interest rates all that stuff right like you look at it and it's just like, whoa, this is kind of crazy to look and to think that it was a timing thing that let us get this, like, I guess, little slice of the American pie type right. of an idea. The American dream. A slice of the pie of the American dream. Sorry. <laughs> um, but you could look at that and say, wow, like, they did a really good job. For me, I look at it and I'm just like, uh, we prayed a lot about it. And we just like, we're taking the steps we felt we were supposed to take and see what happens. And it was a door that very easily could have been shut, right? That kind of a thing. And I think that with the American dream, there's a lot of people where it's like, what are you choosing to worship within it? Are you choosing to look and say, I'm going to go get mine. I'm going to go get what I deserve, that sort of a thing. Or are you looking and saying, I am going to be a good steward of whatever is put in front of me. So like, and th- this is a silly way to maybe view it. Um, but let's say for somebody, there's somebody who's been able to save up a good amount of money. And they look and they say, how could I steward this money best? And then that turns into them like purchasing a home or it turns into them investing in a certain way or doing things like that. The question in my mind as a believer is not, wow, really good step. That was really smart of you as a part of like trying to advance and climb the social ladder. It's more so, wow, that was a really good move of like stewardship. And people might say that that's semantics, but I do think it matters because you're again, just looking and saying, does this genuinely matter? Is this something that I want to bring before God or is, and this is where I think a lot of people land or am I getting what I want and I'll make sure to honor God in the process as much as I can. Like they're not concerned first and foremost about if God's the one wanting to lead them through it, right? They're looking and they're saying, I'm going to make my money. I'm going to do my stuff. I'm going to see what happens. Why? Because this is what it's supposed to be. But God might not ask you to do that. He might call you to a different path with it, right? That sort of a thing. Right. Yeah. And I almost wonder like, and again, this is kind of me spitballing, but like I almost wonder how much of... Um, I don't know. I I wonder how many like callings are missed, you know, just be out of the pursuit of, you know, not that like, not that most people make a ton of money or anything like that, but, 
of the wanting to arrive one day, you know what I mean? To enjoying life and it kind of being a, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, most common question I get from people who think about going into ministry is how do you make it? Yeah. Like it is very quickly a financial discussion. Right. Um, there's a couple people I know in particular who like they've changed some paths at times and stuff like that to jump into ministry. And they're just like, but like, what do I do about? And it's just kind of like, for me, I personally view it. And I'm just like, unless God is very clear to go a path of like, do this and this little thing here. I'm just like, Dive in and just see what he does. If you heard God say to do something, just go do it. Um, that was like one of my buddies who's awesome and he's amazing. And he's now a, uh, uh, he's now a campus missionary and this sort of a thing, just an amazing guy. And definitely I think it heard that call of God and God worked through him and spoke to him through these different seasons. But at first was really kind of like, Hey, what do I do career wise? What do I step into? What's the path to be able to kind of have a good job, make money? Like, you know, there's a couple of kids I know right now where I guarantee their career path is partly fueled through going to a list and Googling and saying, what are the best and easiest jobs to make in certain number of amount of money? And so they're like, that makes sense. I'll do that job then. And it's just one of those things where it's like, if that's your driving factor, you just might be really unhappy with it. Like you just might not land in a spot where you enjoy it and it's good. And again, It's a very privileged thing to say, hey, go do something that really matters. I don't think it's necessarily about do something that matters, but it's about be obedient. And so like if you feel like God has said my job, my nine to five, what I'm doing to make my money is not beyond me walking in character and integrity in light of the Lord like Mm -hmm. that outside of that, it does not matter to him necessarily. Then it's just a matter of knocking on doors, see what God opens But if you feel like God has said, go do this, but it's like, but I'm going to be just like a broke pastor. It's like, okay, but what if that is what he has for you? And that's a scary thing to step into and to look to and to say is okay. And obviously for myself, again, I'm, uh, you know, I, there's, there are, there are people that would say that me and Sierra like are broke or that we should do whatever, all those things we're very blessed and very fortunate with where we're at and all those things. Like we're very thankful for our community. We're really thankful for the opportunity we have. Um, but I look at it and it's like, yeah, we gotta be really good stewards with stuff. Cause there isn't necessarily this like, well, and this is how I'll get a bonus or all oh, this is how I'll get this, or this is how I'll get this. It's literally just like, God, you're our provider. We believe you'll provide even like down to the, uh, the passage where it says that we now use through kind of some, honestly mistranslation stuff the uh jehovah jireh the lord who provides which again is a really great sentiment but i believe oh why am i forgetting her name is it is it hagar that is sarah's um maid servant that she gives and she ends up having ishmael with abraham i believe so i believe so too uh the first time or the time where that comes up you know lord who provides is better translated to be the Lord who sees. I think I'm remembering this right right now. If I'm not, I apologize and I'll correct it in a future podcast. But it's the Lord who sees. How much better of honestly even a sentiment? You know, for Hagar, she's out there. She's going with Ishmael. She's worried that he's going to die. They just have nothing to do, all these things. And like the angel of the Lord appears and is like, I see you. I am the Lord who sees. I see everything you're going through right now. I'm not just your provider. 
It's not just, I will provide you money, I'll provide you housing, I'll provide you finances. It's, I see you. Mm -hmm. And because I see you and you know that I see you, you will be taken care of because I see all of it. Because I see your heart. I see what's going on. I see what's been done to you. I see what's going forward from you. I will continue to see you. And if you believe that God is good and you believe that he sees you, that's where we can step in faith and just look and say, all right, God, what are you going to do here? What are we seeing? What's going to happen? All of those things. Um, and that might not be the American dream. Right. It actually, in a lot of ways, really isn't the American dream. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like, um, you know, that kind of goes back to, I don't know what verse it is. I know it's in the Gospels, I believe, somewhere where... Um, you know, where it says that, like, you know, I provide for the, basically for the, the wildlife and the sparrows. Yeah. yeah. And, and won't, doesn't that mean, aren't you much more valuable than that? And doesn't that mean I'll take care of you? There's like that aspect where he says, I'll provide for you. And obviously, like, that, whatever he provides, like, that should be enough. I, th- I, I do, th- I think that's would be correct or, because like we should be content with what God gives us and asks us to steward in the moment, and, but that doesn't promise if it's a lot or or if it's you know a smaller amount. Totally. Well, and it is you know then you look to like the parable of the talents in the Gospels where the the master goes and he entrusts with his servants one talent, right. two talents, t- five talents. I think those are the amounts, but. Or maybe it's four talents for one of them, but he goes and he entrusts them with talents and they go out and one of them puts the money to work. He's investing it, trying with it, all those things. And he doubles it. Other one doubles it. The last one buries it in the ground and just says like, I was really afraid I would lose it. Um, and like you have this master literally looks, it's kind of funny in that moment says you could have even just put it in the bank and gotten some interest would have barely gotten anything more, but you at least could have done that. Right. And the other ones, he says, well done. You did good. Thank you for doing this. And that's where I think, again, it's just like, are we doing the best thing we can in the moment with the right and heart being, I want to steward this for who? For my master. Right. Like, God, you provided it. I'm going to steward it. Why? Because I want to see. And the ultimate blessing didn't come to them. This is actually kind of an interesting thing to think about. I hadn't thought about this much. The ultimate blessing did not come from their work of doubling it. It came from the blessing the master then put on top of that. Mm -hmm. So they did work and they saw the stuff that he entrusted with them grow. But then he just, boom, walks in and in a moment grows it even more for what they were entrusted with. Right. And so in the same way for us, and this is not to be like a get rich quick or anything like that. That's crap and not good to view things through the lens of like, but if we do look and we say, hey, I'm going to steward these things well, we can trust and believe that God's going to continue to you know, bless us in the ways that we need to be a blessing to others. Right. Yeah. So then we're kind of where we're kind of, sounds to me like what we're kind of arriving to is that does the, you know, does the American dream fit in or like what that pick we, I'm saying American dream, but that's really, the, I'm really saying that mostly because it describes the picture most yeah. accurately. But that picture of somebody who somebody who's arrived, we're kind of saying that that picture doesn't necessarily, you know, contradict the Bible. 
and or is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say contradict, man. But it's not necessarily what we're all like. It's not. No. Yeah, no. that's that's not what the Bible's promising. The Lord does not promise that all will go well with you. Jesus right. actually promises that there will be trouble. Right. <laughs> like, dude, for me, if I was just to be ever so blunt and all of that, I think the American dream is real. I think that for people who are non Christians who are just meandering through life and they're trying to find a meaning, I think it is a very effective tool to try to have motive and motivation through life. That should not be the thing though, that believers are tying their sails to like, dude, I, I really actually, the thing I've been challenged the most with, and I've talked about this in a couple of services recently, some stuff like that, but it's just a genuine thing for myself. We are just not hungry for the things that God has for us. Oftentimes we are hungry for the things that we want. And I think more than the American dream, it's looking and saying, God, I want to be hungry for the things of you. Like, again, not everybody's going to pray for three hours a day, but like what, what if everybody who's a Christian actually just prayed every day? Right. Like not everybody's going to even read the Bible in a year, right? That sort of a thing. What if everybody just every day chose to read their Bible? Uh-huh. Like not everybody's going to value going to church, but what if every Christian actually went to church and said, I'm going to partner with my community and go to do this. And what does that mean? It, it might affect your work. It might affect your sleep. It might affect actually the main thing it's going to affect is your free time and what you get to do outside of the time when you're having to be locked into stuff. And like, yes, the Lord is not against you having fun. He's not against you resting and all of those things. But do we look into at the end of the day, do we say the stuff that I need matters most? Or are we saying, God, I just want to be near to you. And the American dream, I think oftentimes puts us before God because it is setting a standard for what we want and what we expect. Yeah. Like, you know, one thing I will say, and I don't agree with everything that Dave Ramsey talks on. I do love his idea of not being indebted to just a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Now, I also do think that if you're somebody who's like business minded and you are somebody who is very gifted and does well within finances, I get there's times that you have debt for the sake of leverage to help then do good business and that sort of a thing. So I get that. And I think Dave Ramsey oftentimes kind of speaks against any amount of debt. But my thing is, is if you are fully out of debt, what do you have? You have freedom to operate in different means and modes and all of that. Like if you don't have debt and God says, move across the country to go do this, you could do it. Why? Because you don't have anything holding you back here that you're indebted to. Right. You could say, I'm just going to go and see how it works out. But when you have these things above your head that are weighing down on you, like you're chasing the American dream. So what do you got? You have a huge car payment. You, you got this house payment that you really couldn't afford, but you wanted to keep up with the Jones. You know, you wanted to be able to be just like your other friends, figure stuff out. You know, oh, you went and you bought all of these things. Your savings account is low. You've invested a bunch of stuff in bad. It's just, it gets silly because you're just chasing yourself. You're chasing an imaginary line that was placed in front of you. And now you can't chase after the things that God has for you. Like, um, dude, even something for Sierra and I recently, and you and I have talked about this a little bit at one point, but like, I'm just trying to get to a space where I look and I say the thing that matters most is just trying to be in God's presence and trying just to hear from him more and more. 
And I think the dangerous thing that we've done in faith, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think it still plays into it, that we've done in faith is we've looked at things like the American dream, which are very personal endeavors that you can kind of compare to a whole group. And we've applied that to faith in a lot of ways. And so we make it a very personal endeavor. And so like common phraseology, right? Which I think is true. Uh, you can always hear from God, right? You can always hear from God. You can always be listening and hearing what he has to say. Totally true. I still though want to have a hunger to be around other people who are desiring to hear from God. Because I want to look and I want to say, you're a part of God's body and you're seeking for him to speak. Maybe he'll speak through you to me. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people that have no care for that. They, they have no care for if I am in God's presence, this could change my entire life like tonight. Like God could speak to me in this moment and it's going to shift the reality. Like when we talk about calling, so you were talking earlier about how like some people miss calling because of the American dream and all that. I think that's totally true. I think they also miss calling because they don't end up being around voices who are willing to speak calling over them. Mm-hmm. Because why? Well, I had to go in... You know, even maybe good intended reasons. I went, I started working a second job. Well, did you actually need to, to provide for your family? Because if you need to provide for your family, hey, good on you. Go do that. But were you doing it just so you could make an extra dollar because you wanted to advance yourself, right? Oh, hey, I went and I had to do this and this and this because of this, this and this. It's like, or could you have gone to, this might seem dumb to a lot of people, but like, or could you have gone to a prayer meeting? Could you have gone to a worship night? Hey, maybe you heard like, there's actually going to be a, uh, a conference on Friday night down in Issaquah that my dad, uh, he texted me and he's like, hey, I'm going to be going to this. Do you want me to get you and Sierra two tickets? It's a free event, but they just have to make sure they have enough seats for everybody. And uh, I was like, yeah, do it. And it's just like the people who are going to be there with worship, with the speakers, and also the kind of people that are going to want to go to something like that. I'm just like, there's going to be people that want to hear from God there. And like, maybe there's going to be somebody that shares something. It's like, man, that's what we need to hear in this moment, right? So again, the American dream, is it bad? No. Uh, does it go against scripture? I don't like, if you want to nitpick, you could say sure, but I don't think the innate desire of saying, I want to steward things well so that me and my family are set up well and have a good life and all that's bad. Um, you know, God does say that we should provide, we should care, we should steward, right? I don't think it's noble to say, I'm just going to have nothing. Um, I think it's noble to be obedient and faithful. And if God has given you something, don't burn through it. Right. Um, but I do think that the American dream oftentimes makes us sacrifice spiritual things for physical things. And again, what does Jesus say? He says to store up our treasure in heaven. Mm -hmm. And again, that doesn't mean that possessions are bad. Like right now I'm working on, uh, redoing part of a bathroom in me and Sierra's house. And I bought this like off Amazon hundred dollar heated floor mat and put it in there. You know how stupid that is? Like in terms of the world and the gospel and people being able to know the Lord and the weight and the reality of if you went to a lot of places around the world and you said, hey, what's this? I bought a heated floor mat for my bathroom with a gift card on Amazon or something. That doesn't matter. Totally true. Does not matter. Right. It's not a thing to care about. But I looked and that people might think this is dumb. I was like, I want to steward my house well. I want to make my house be a great place that reflects things well. You know, if I go to sell it one day or something, I can be like, hey, I'm a pastor. And, you know, we just wanted to maintain this house with all that. And again, people could say that's stupid. For me, it's just a genuine heart behind it. I looked and I said, ah, I'll use the gift card to buy this. We'll see if it helps. Like, 
But does that matter at the end of the day? Like, it's messed up if I ended up looking and saying, well, we can't tithe this month. Why? Honey, we had right. the heated floor mat for the house. <laughs> like, that's where, again, somebody might look and they might say, well, it's going to help with resale value. It's like, okay, well, if that's the reason I'm doing it, I probably shouldn't do it. If that's making me sacrifice things within my faith. That was a little bit of a tangent. But again, it doesn't mean we don't get stuff. It doesn't right. mean you shouldn't do stuff. It doesn't mean, like... You, you're somebody who's a great musician. It doesn't mean you can't go out and buy great tools and instruments and right. things like that, right? Or great uh, gear to add on to your equipment. But it does mean, like, to do so unto the Lord. Right. And, like, if there was a time that you sat down and the Lord was like, hey, I want you to give to this missionary, let's say. And right. you're like, but God, that pedal for my bass is in stock. Yeah, right. And I need to order it tonight. Yeah. Then that's the moment. It's like, hey, the American, your pedal board doesn't have to look the coolest, right? That kind of, and I'm not saying yeah. that to you. I'm just saying like, no. that's the tension I think we have to live in with it. Because yeah, again, right. like, if it's just keep up with the Joneses, well, that's dumb. Yeah. I think it, it I think where we're coming to is that it kind of, it all comes back to a heart thing, yeah. honestly. Like, and really, like when you look at like the history of the American dream, it's not just like getting the stuff. It's also the manifest destiny, the pulling yourself up by your bootstraps yeah. and you making it happen. And which I think there's a certain element in the Christian walk of like working like it depends on you, but praying and give credit to God, giving credit God giving credit to God, knowing that he's really the one that like allowed everything to happen. Yeah. Um, but like, this is kind of funny, but like me and my, uh, one of my brothers, um, we were talking about, we we're over at my parents' house yesterday and we we're, it, it was super geeky. He was talking about, uh, some board game thing that he wanted that was like super duper expensive, like thousands of dollars. And he's like, yeah, man, this is a this is a one day, one day I'll get this type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, and I joked. I was like, yeah, man, I have a lot of one days, <laughs> and like it gave me kind of you know, it gave me sort of pause of like you know, like man, how many things in my life am I just like, you know, just pining over? Yeah, and just like oh, one day I'll make it happen when it's like, but. It's all surrounded. It, it it all encompasses really like me and what I can do, mm -hmm. or even just like, and it's not. It, it's the mindset of like, and what well what will happen is that down the line, if I do make it, whatever that looks like, it's gonna be me that did it, and I'm not gonna be. I, you know, I'd like to think I'd be thankful, and I probably would be in some regards. Yeah, but it would be like. Oh, I did good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Not necessarily God. Thank you for providing along the way, yeah. you know, like, um, thank you for giving me the opportunities and all this and that. Um, there's something else I was going to say. I forget. Yeah. 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 You know, I think at the end of the day, it's God, you know, even going back to that story in Genesis, you're talking about Abraham and Hagar and Ishmael and all of that. Like, you know, yes, the Lord is a provider, but it's the Lord who sees you. Yeah. And as 
we can get so focused as a culture at looking at everybody else and saying, how do I keep up? What do I do? What do I have? There's a lot of comfort, I think, even beyond provision and just looking and realizing, God, you see me. Mm-hmm. And so, Lord, I might have all this ambition. I might have all this goal. But you see me and you know what needs to happen. Right. So let's just walk in that peace. And uh, it doesn't mean don't have drive. It means I think it means knock on as many doors as you can. But see what he's going to open up. Yeah. Know, and step through him as you can. Yeah. Parker, in my book, you've already made it, man. <laughs> Yeah, man. There's more in front of you. Yeah. But like, I think for anybody, it's just like, hey, are you able to be obedient in and through every season? Yep. And that's making it. There's a whole lot of people that have made a lot of money. Yeah. No. There's like, I was uh, was thinking about this when you were talking earlier, but like, there's sometimes I wonder like, you know, obviously there's sometimes there's drive to do better at my job and, you know, make money and, you know get a nicer car or get a nicer apartment, whatever that's, that's personal. That's a personal drive. Like, Oh, I want these things. But there's also a side of it. That's like, you know, I want to provide for my family Mm -hmm. and I want Jameson to, you know, grow up in a, you know, decent house. And, you know, I'd rather not be in an apartment if I can avoid it. And like, um, but you know, and, and that, all that stuff, you know, drives my decisions and drives my drive when it comes to work mm-hmm. and you know like and, and it gave, when you were talking it gave me pause of like man and not that i have a clear call or anything like that towards something else but you know if god was trying to call me to something else would my ears be open mm. you know like i i can't think of a specific example but like you know people who you know are in a certain career path that has a great outlook, you know, and then they're called to be pastor or called to go do something else. And where Mm -hmm. like, especially in like, especially when they have a family and everything like that of like, Oh, if I take this path, this throws caution to the wind, this throws, you know, I respect that a lot about pastors, you know what I mean? Especially, and, and like I said, especially ones that like, have families and they're going into an unknown thing. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I, I wonder how much, you know, it, people miss, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, but like, um, you know, how much people miss their calling just because their ears weren't open and they were too busy looking in the trenches of figuring out how to make stuff work and how to, you know, quote unquote, make it. But yeah, no, I'm happy though. There we go. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good spot for us to maybe pause it. Yeah. Well, everybody, uh, thanks for checking out this episode. The American Dream, not evil, not terrible, but uh, make sure the Lord's first in it. We got to steward the stuff he puts ahead of us and be obedient to what he's called us to. And if he's called you to go out and uh, grind and make money and do all those things, that's awesome. Be generous with it, steward it well. But also if he's called you maybe to in a time of sacrifice and all of that, um, lean in, know that he sees you and see what he may do in and through you and all those good things. But today we appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. Make sure to leave a rating and review if you can. Share it with a friend if you want to. 
Uh, we're nearing 40 episodes, which is pretty crazy to think about. Right. Um, but we are just enjoying doing this, making beneficial content that hopefully is a blessing to you and your friends and your family and all of those things. Uh, make sure to DM us on Instagram if you have any topic ideas at the Caleb and Parker podcast. And yeah. we would love to talk about the things you guys want us to talk about. But let us know. We appreciate you all. Thank you guys for checking this out. We'll see you next time. See ya.